Um, today we're going to talk about, as, as the message uh, slash interview, God uses broken people. That's the title. God uses broken people. Um, I'm going to call Dave and Jen Rivera up in a moment, but before I do, I'm going to uh, quickly talk about the Apostle Peter. You know, one of the first sermon series we've ever done at True Life Church, you can still listen to it online, you can go to our archives, our sermons, we've got all of them still there from 2013 onward, um, even prior to that actually, and, and one of the first series that we ever did was called St. Peter the Troublemaker. St. Peter the Troublemaker, it was about the Apostle Peter and the complicated character that he is. He, he was an impetuous, impulsive uh, hothead on one hand, but he was also a risk taker uh, and, and, and the first to want to say, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere, I'll go anywhere for you, I'll serve you, I'll do anything. Uh, so he was just a complicated character. In fact, there's this one chapter where it shows uh, on one hand, he is the first disciple to proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ. And then right after that, Jesus says, and as the Messiah, I'm going to suffer and die. And Peter's like, no, you're not. No, you don't know what you're talking about. And, and Jesus rebukes him and says, get behind me, Satan. Uh, you don't, you're not looking at things from the right perspective. Um, he was the first one to get out of a boat or the only one to get out of a boat when Jesus was walking on water. He said, I'll, I'll, I'm going to walk on water too. And then he quickly took his eyes just as fast off of Jesus and looked at the waves and began to sink. On the night that Jesus was arrested, in fact, uh, a few hours prior to that, they were having their last supper together. Uh, and, and here's a little discussion that we're going to look at in John 13. Uh, Jesus, or, or Simon Peter asked Jesus, Lord, where are you going? You know, he's confused. They're all confused. What's going on? You know, he's talking about leaving. And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Hear the confidence in him? I'm going to lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So Jesus has given him a warning. You're going you're gonna to let me down. You're going to fail in a way that you can't even imagine right now. And Peter was full of confidence. I'm going to follow you anywhere. Peter, on one hand, had such passion and love for Jesus, but on the other hand, he was also full of self-confidence in his own ability to serve Jesus. I'll say that again. He was, on one hand, full of love for Jesus, but on the other hand, full of self-confidence in his own ability to serve Jesus. And later that night, many of you know the story, after Jesus is arrested, and by the way, Peter tried to protect Jesus by taking out a sword and trying to fight Cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Jesus rebukes him again. After that, we don't know what happened to Peter. He, 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 led, he, he fled. We see him again later out of fire while Jesus is on trial being interrogated. And somebody says, hey, weren't you with that man? And Peter, instead of saying, yes, I'm a follower of that man, and I don't care how much suffering is going to come down on me, I'm, I'm going to follow him anywhere. I'm looking to him. He's my savior. Instead of that being Peter's response, he's like, I don't know him. You got the wrong guy. You're mistaking me for somebody else. And that happens not once, not twice, but three times. He denies knowing Jesus. Rooster crows. Jesus looks at him afar and Peter knows, ah, oh, I failed him in a way I never could have imagined. Broken, ashamed, embarrassed. We don't know what happens to him the rest of the night, where he is, all day Friday, all day Saturday. We don't know. But Sunday morning comes, and Jesus conquers death. He rises from the grave. And one of the things he says to the women who finds the tomb empty, he says, Go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm coming. Tell the disciples and Peter. And I think he especially says Peter because he knows Peter might be wondering, am I worthy to still follow him? Does he still want to use me? Am I still part of his plan after how miserably I failed him? And he shows up to Peter. And then later there's this scene in John 21 on the beach. Jesus is alive. He's about to ascend into heaven. He's in his resurrected body, and he pulls Peter aside. And there's this conversation. After breakfast, he pulls Peter aside. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
Yes, Lord, Peter says, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Another way of saying, I, I want to reinstate you. I, I want you to do what I've always called you to do. Care for my people. Shepherd my people. Again, Jesus asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Second time. And he's not done. Verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times. Why three times? I believe it's three times because it's mirroring the three times that he denied knowing Jesus earlier. It's Jesus' way of saying, <laughs> I'm calling you back, and I'm not calling you back based on your confidence. I'm not calling you back based on your own willpower. I'm calling you back because of my grace. I'm calling you back because of my love for you, and I'm going to use you. And he does. On the day of Pentecost, the church is filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's Peter who gets up and preaches a fiery sermon that God uses to draw 3,000 people into the church, baptized, Peter becomes a pillar of the early church, strong and mighty and bold, arrested and beaten for the sake of Jesus. But he's not perfect. In fact, later on, we hear from the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, one more scripture in, verse, in Galatians 2 verse 11, Paul is writing to the Galatian church and he says, when Cephas, that's, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. So Peter, later on, after being a pillar of the early church, after being a, a father of the faith to many, he acts like a hypocrite in the church of Antioch. He's acting one way to the Jewish believers and another way to the Gentile believers. He's guilty of hypocrisy. He's guilty of ethnic pride. And Paul had to confront him. The apostle Paul had to confront the apostle Peter to his face and publicly. Like, dude, you're out of bounds here. And God continued to use them. God continued to use them. And so what I want you to hear today as we interview Dave and Jen, and as we think about the life of Peter, is that God uses broken people, but that doesn't just mean he uses people despite their past brokenness and sins and issues. It doesn't just mean that God wants to use you despite what you committed in the past. It means God wants to use you despite the screw-ups you're going to be guilty of next week. And next month, the stuff that you're still wrestling with, thinking, why is it still in me? He wants to use you despite that because of his grace and his love. Because it ain't about you. It ain't about you. He's writing a story, and you ain't the hero of it. Thank God. Dave and Jen, at that, come on up here. Dave and Jen Rivera. As many of you know, if you're here early, uh, for the first time, tuning in for the first time, Dave and Jen are planning to plant a church in Long Beach Island next year. Our plan was to have a vision barbecue at our, my house, mine and Justice house today. For those who are interested, you guys ready for the barbecue? We're ready. <laughs> Barbecue's postponed. So we will share details about that in the future. Um, Sorry you guys have the short stools. It's just they're mismatched, and you guys are a couple, so it's better that you guys are on equal yes. footing. Thank you. And Thank I reign over you. <laughs> That's the way we like it. <laughs> so Dave and Jen shared uh, two months ago, I believe it was, their stories of coming to know Jesus, coming to faith in Jesus. Uh, and we ended that with, um, with each of them meeting Jesus, but we said we'll pick it up at some point in the future about their marriage story, their, their, how they came together as a couple, uh, what happened there um, in, in that early time, and then where they're at now as a couple, and, and how we can be praying for them. By the way, these guys are going to be putting together a prayer team uh, of people who are saying, I'm behind you at least in prayer. I might not be ready to move down to LBI, uh, but I'm going to be praying for your needs, and I want to be put on an email list that, that these guys will send out maybe, what, weekly, bi-weekly, something like that? We won't make it. Bi-weekly. Let's say bi-weekly. Um, right 
But they're going to be, so if you're interested in being on that prayer team, you can fill out a connect card on the back table. If you're online, you can put that, uh, get connected for them, click on that, and just let us know, I want to be on the prayer team for, for the Riveras, for the LBI church plant. Um, we, we want as many people to be praying and behind them, and they'll keep us updated. All right, you guys, let's jump into um, the early days of your relationship. Cool. You, you want me to? Yeah. Yeah. So, you want me to? Yeah. Ha, ha, quickly. Yeah. We'll we'll kind of go through this in two parts. Um, the early days, and then now, and um, that's it. Okay. <laughs> that's the plan. <laughs> so yeah, how'd you guys meet? And how'd you guys fall in love? So uh, we met. Uh, I came to Building on the Rock. We were both. Uh, I think we. It started off by us serving in youth group together. Uh, she was the youth leader at the time. Uh, I just joined youth group and began serving alongside each other. Um, we did a lot of skits together. Uh, we, were, we were doing sermon series together. So we were serving a lot together in ministry, uh, in the church, um, youth group, uh, skits, sermon writing. Uh, so that's how we got to kind of be around each other, getting to know each other. Uh, Jen, I don't know if we shared last time, Jen was previously engaged to uh, my roommate. Uh, things didn't, they didn't get married, um, so. So you swooped in there. So I swooped in, swooped uh, in. so I swooped in there. Uh, as we began to serve more and more alongside each other, um, again, yeah, so it was a lot of serving together, uh, being together, working together in ministry and sermon writing, doing skits. Gilligan's Island, we did a skit one time. A uh, big sermon series using Gilligan's Island as our, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like illustration. So Gilligan's Island, I played Gilligan, um, and she was Mary, Marianne, Marianne, and uh, that's what kind of really like drew. Like, that's what did it, huh? Yeah, that's yeah, it was about eight, eight to ten intense weeks um, t together. Yeah. I was really good looking, I was really talented, and so, you know, you spent a lot of time with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, me too. Me too. Don't get it. I know I'm a, I'm a prospect myself, if I, if I might say. Um, so, yeah, we did this Gilligan series, and it was awesome. It was 10 weeks. We we were doing Sundays for Sundays. We would do Sunday morning service, worship, and then the we would weeds. have You're night getting caught service. in the weeds. Huh? Who cares? You're getting caught in the weeds. Okay. okay. We, we both, we, me and Jen both agree that if Dave kind of shares extra details that We're may not to. be necessary, we'd cut them off. We're allowed to cut them off. Come on, keep going. You're doing great. No, you cut me off. No, you're doing great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was it was it was being together, like you know, serving in ministry, getting to know each other. Um, yeah, she's very gifted, and so that's when did you propose? I didn't. Good question. Oh <laughs> snap! Did something go wrong before that? I didn't propose. Uh, we winded up. Um, Let me jump in. So yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> So, so our story is not the typical, uh, the typical we dated and got married and proposed and had an engagement and all of that. We, um, like he said, we were serving in ministry together. We were both, uh, we felt called to ministry, uh, vocational ministry. I had gotten licensed with the Alliance. Um, Dave was pursuing school for that uh, to, be a, to become a pastor. And yeah, we were young and we were starting to like be interested in each other. I had a ton of hurt still from this previous relationship that didn't end the way I had planned for it. Um, and Dave was trying to be really uh, slow and respectful and, and uh, not push me too fast. Um, but yeah, push came to shove and <laughs> we uh, one, one day I was getting my wisdom teeth out and he shoots me a text and he's like, hey... Hope you're, I'm praying for you. Praying for you. And I was like, oh, he's so sweet, you know. And then the next day, he's like, oh, hey, hope you're feeling better. And then the next day, and the next day, and before you know it, we're starting to, I'm starting to get feelings for this guy. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to have feelings for this guy. He is not good enough for me. He needs to work harder. He needs to do all these things. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then someday maybe he'll be worthy of me, right? But at the same time, it, ladies, if you've ever had a guy pursuing you, you know that sometimes, like, it's, sometimes it's just nice to have a guy pursuing you, right? So I also was on one end before the church because I was licensed, because I was a leader, because I, I thought I had to live up to all of these standards in my head. I was like, no, I'm not interested in you, and you can come back when you're an amazing man of God. 
But behind the scenes, I was texting him, and texting turned to calling, and calling turned to meeting up, and meeting up turned into, can I say it? Yeah. Meeting up turned into, uh, we started having sex, and um, I had grown up in the church. I had grown up under really, really rigid, like, purity culture, um, so I had never even kissed anyone, never held hands, nothing, and so we go from a text message on Memorial Day to sleeping together by 4th of July, and long story short, it gets worse, sir. <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> by August 1st, we ran off and got married in a courthouse, and the church from July 4th to August 1st said, please don't do this. You know, you're licensed. What are you doing? You're about to throw away your life. You're about to throw away your future. And we said, no, we'll figure it out on the other side, and, and we're going to go get married, and we want what we want. And I, like I said, I had been really hurt from this other relationship, and I was like, I'm not about to let that happen again. And so whatever it takes to make sure that we're together, I'm going to do it. And that was that. And so we went back to, we got married in a courthouse by ourselves. And uh, now, we went now, now, at some point, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. at some point in there, you guys were... You guys, I mean, you, you had said to me, like, you guys are teaching the youth together, yeah. Yeah. teaching them to be pure before the Lord, uh, and, and meanwhile, behind the scenes, you guys are not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and people in the church found this out, and, then, and they're like, what are these guys doing teaching our kids? How could this happen? How could the church let this happen? Right? Am I? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think, like, nobody ever found out, like, they didn't find us, but they started realizing, like, hey, Jen is not acting normal. Dave's not acting normal. What is going on here? These people, these, these powerhouse singles that are do anything, go anywhere for anyone are suddenly like off the map. Like what is going on? What is going on? And so um, I was living with our senior pastor at the time and uh, another girl, a friend of mine, we were living in his basement and so I was there every day, like, and so imagine that, too. Imagine you're leading a church. The college interns that you have in your basement are sneaking around behind your back and then coming to dinner and pretending like everything's okay, right? So Pastor Bob, one week, like, he sends me a text, and he's like, hey, like, what's up? Let's talk. And I was like, I am not going to talk to this guy. And so I spent, like, the week, like, leaving early to work or coming home late to work, like, didn't want to be around him. And one day I come pulling in from work and he's like on the front lawn doing like sod or something. And I was like, oh, God. So I like pull up in my car and I like wait a little while, but he's not going inside. So then I'm like, I'm just going to make a run for it. So I like <laughs> try to get in the house. He's like, Jen. I was like, oh. So we sit together on the porch. He's like, what's going on? And we talk like for an hour. And I still am just like, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? And finally, he says one thing, and he's like, you know, I just don't understand. Like, you just got licensed. Like, what is going on here? And I forget what he said, but I was like, you don't know anything. Like, I'm sleeping with Dave, like, and you have no idea. And he breaks down and starts crying. I break down and start crying. And, yeah, and so we pulled a couple of the elders in. He was like, I don't even know what to do. I've never been in this situation. Um, so we pull a couple of the elders in. And, and yeah, they were like, can you pray for two weeks and, and not see each other, not, we don't want to do anything crazy. And we were like, yeah, let's wait two weeks. But by day two, I was like, no, I'm not going to do this again. Because what if he doesn't wait two weeks? Like, I'm not going to risk it. And so we went back and we said, no, thanks. And you ran so, off and got married. And we ran off. Yeah. So you running off and getting married was not just a, you, a, your way of controlling the relationship and taking it out of God's hands. It was also kind of a saying, like, church, we don't want you involved. We're not submitting to any discipleship that you're trying to do here. We're going to do this our way. And it led to some broken relationships, right, in the church? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, as you can imagine, you know, uh, we were leading youth group. And so a lot of our young adults that we were mentoring, that we were pastoring, um, those relationships were broken. Family members who, you know, again, you guys are, you have parents and adults who are entrusting us with their children. And uh, we're saying one thing and, and doing another. And so that created a lot of um, tension, um, a lot of broken relationships. A, a couple of families left because of that. Um, 
a lot of young adults um, winded up leaving the same thing, going and doing their own thing. Well, if they're living like that, why can't I have a boyfriend? Why can't I have a girlfriend? Like, why can't I be in a relationship? Um, so it just created a lot of chaos and 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 um, and brokenness between yeah. our relationship and, and theirs. And there was a lot of misunderstanding, right? Because the elders are are trying to protect us as well, and so they're not airing all of our dirty laundry. Yeah. And so you know, half the church that knows the story is like, "What is going on?" And the other half is saying, "What's so bad?" Like, and so creating tension even within the church and saying like you know, making these elders out to be bad guys when in reality, like, most people just didn't know the whole story. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, looking from the outside in, and people were like, oh, what's the, you know, problem there? You know, they, again, like my wife said, they don't know the full story. And so, um, and so, yeah, it just, it created, it created a lot of issues. Um, mm. Yeah. So how did you guys get your, your, confidence back that God still wanted to use you in pastoral ministry that uh, after all that, after you guys were the reason people were leaving a church? Uh, I think I think most, you know, obviously God's word and his call on our lives, like we always knew we were called to ministry. Um, so then when we fell, we were, yeah, we were in really hard times. Um, and although in the beginning and, and in the beginning of relationship, we didn't press into the church. After we had gotten married, we were like, all right, like, we need to, we, like, the weight of our sin, it was just like, we need to press into the church, like, and really just, now it's out there. Now it's just like, before everyone, everybody knows our story, um, and so how do we press in and get healing and get, um, and get restored rightly, and a lot of that was the church also responding and surrounding themselves around us, you know, it was, it took us saying yes to the process of saying yes. Hey, we're we're sorry. We repent, and so and and. Uh, but a lot of elders, uh, a couple of mentors, came beside us, and and was really like that that driving force of like don't let this don't let this pull you away. Don't let this drive you away. Like you messed up. Like God still loves you. Like there's still a call on your life. You know, say yes. Like we're here for you. We will help you get through this. And um, and we said yes to that. And those men and women at that time really rallied around us rather than condemning us and making us feel like even worse than what we had already felt. Um, they continued to love us through that process. Yeah. There's a, actually about Peter, like there's a verse in um, John 6 when... You know, Jesus is speaking to the masses, and he's going on about, like, and he basically says, like, you know, I'm going to die, and this is what it means to follow me, and everybody leaves. And the only people that are left are the 12 disciples, and Jesus turns to them, and he says, what? Like, you, you don't want to go too? And, and uh, Peter says, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. And so for us, like, that's a beautiful verse to quote when you're not in it, but at the same time, like, it was... It was the truth, and it was like, man, like, where else are we going to go? And um, we did spend some time, like, away from our church family. We were at a different church for a little while. and now, just that, that was part of a formal process, correct? A formal process with the district, yeah, um, to give everybody space to heal a little bit. But even in it, being like, oh, my God, like, yeah, we could have moved to a different state. We could have gotten different jobs. We could have all of these things, but it was like, that John 6 moment, like, where else are we going to go? Like, as much as this is terrible, as much as this seems like the end, as much as this, like, I want to just quit right now, I've burned those bridges behind me. Like, there's no turning back. And, like, and I think everybody comes to those moments in, in your lives, you know? Yeah, because we certainly, we certainly thought it, right? You were like, oh, like, you know, you're embarrassed. You feel like a liar. You feel like a, a fake, a phony. You're just like... And so the enemy comes in and is like, man, just go to another church. We'll move to Pennsylvania. We'll get a house by her parents. We'll move to Florida, you know. And every time we, like, those thoughts would come come up, and then we would just be like, but how? Like, when you live in a, in a, in a, in a church community, and it is, it's a family, and we were family with people at Building on the Rock. And it was like every time, even though, that thought came up. It was like, how can we leave? Like, 
how can we go? You and know, I think understanding like repentance and restoration, like is real restoration, us leaving and starting at yeah. another church. Like, yeah. how are we going to stand in heaven one day and say like, hey, man, I, n- I haven't seen you since we left, you know, <laughs> like that's not real restoration. And so it was a long road. It was a hard road. But yeah, walking back the way we came and, and repenting yeah. where we needed to repent and taking ownership where we needed to take ownership and and surrendering you know, at each step, so. Was there a point, I just, uh, where you guys were standing up at some point in the future, two years down the line, where you were kind of back in, a, in, in serving at that church or teaching at that church or leading in that church where you thought, how am I going to get up in front of these people? Because the last time I was in front of them serving in this capacity, I was a liar. Yeah. Was there a point where you kind of had that moment of, this isn't about, this isn't about me anymore? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I can kind of sometimes, you know, honestly, it's, it, you know, it's still even even a push to kind of, yeah, feel like, you, you know. still struggle with I it. Still, I, I can still struggle with it, you know. Like, we had a service, even, even you know, we went back to Building on a Rock. We stood in front of everyone repenting, and it was amazing. Everybody came up to us, forgave us, were crying. Uh, we got restored to ministry. Um and so, yeah, there was this was like, yeah, this is, but it is something that personally for me, I still, the enemy can still whisper in my ear and, and say like, oh, you know, you're still, you're a liar, you know? And so it's something that I still wrestle with even, even to this day, even now trying to, even trying to now church plant, it's like even more the enemy is kind of like, you know, my insecurities, my, my failures, more and more, you know, the enemy wants to use that and say, ah, you know, remember last time? Remember last time you tried to do things and, you know, and so. How many years ago was that when you got married? Se- eight years ago? Yeah, eight years ago. How long you been married? just dude? had an anniversary. <laughs> okay, eight years ago. Eight years ago and, and, um, and what, uh, six years ago is when we were fully restored. St- and- fully restored getting back into ministry, you know, so, but yeah, six, six, eight years. So you guys have been released. Let's cut to kind of part two then, because you guys have been released by that, the main, building on the rock to Main Street Alliance Church. You're sent here with us for a year, but you've been, uh, you know, approved and released to plant a church. Uh, Six years after that process ended, you've had four kids since then. Um, And now marriage is all good and you guys are on the same page with Planning a church? Yeah. <laughs> Full of confidence and... Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, so we started our church planting process with... Uh, we had to have evaluations with our senior pastor down at Main Street because of uh, district stuff. And so we're sitting in one and he says, have you guys ever thought about church planning? I said, I'm not church planning. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, just take a drive on the island and like, let's, let's talk about it again later. Um, and yeah, that I, I for one, like Dave's much more like, yeah, let's do this. I for one can be very like digging my heels in and saying like, I don't want to go, you know. So, but it's hard again, like we, we have amazing relationships, um, just like you guys do here. We have amazing relationships in our, in our church and saying like, uh, it hurts to go. It hurts to go. It's that bittersweet. Like when a, I assume when a child gets married, I don't have one, but I mean, I don't have one that old, but, um, but like a bittersweet moment of saying like this is good that we go, but it's it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to go. I was more excited to you know I I'm a contractor. I work I work on Long Beach Island. Uh, a lot of my work. So the past ten years, it, we're right there, and so um, and we're ten minutes away, and and Main Street's you know big, and and so we were just trying to really figure out you know what what God might have for us, and I'm always for like hey if God opens a door. Who knows, you know, like I, I, I always w- I don't ever want to just like put God in a box and just say, well, this is it. And this. Well, who knows if he opens a door, then if we walk through it, if we fail, we can always come back if if something happens. So uh, more I'm kind of could be more optimistic in those in those terms where she's, you know, like, no, we're here. You know, we were at Main Street. We're going to be at Main Street forever. And this is it. And we're not going anywhere. But I was more uh, excited um, just for the change of j- just for the change and experience and, and wanting to to grow more and see what that looks like. I was more uh, excited about the opportunity than she was. 
And, but you guys, you guys do share the same heart for reaching Long Beach Island. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We also noticed that, like, at Main Street, we really struggled with getting people from Long Beach Island. So we knew, and there's, there's not many gospel preachers, um, churches on Long Beach Island. So we knew there was a need, and we wanted to fulfill that need. Um, but we were like, oh, we'll just go out there and get them to come, you know. And, and, uh, but but it, wasn't, it wasn't happening, you know. And so... We had yeah, the there's desire. Like, there's a real barrier. Um, so the, the physical barrier of, of the bridge is a significant, significant barrier for people. And you think like, oh, it's just a bridge. Come across the bridge. But it's in the summer, nobody crosses the bridge. And so especially on a weekend. And so it's like, um, like he said, like we had this heart for the people. And we were like, yeah, you know, feel the dreams, right? If you build it, they will come. Like, come to Main Street. Come to our and, mega building. And just building. to clarify, Main like, Street is in Manahawken. Yeah, uh, right across the bridge, yeah. So it was like, they'll come, they'll come, they'll come. Well, they weren't coming. And so saying, you know, you get two options. You can say, well, then, I don't know, hopefully a pigeon will bring the good news. Like, it's not going to happen. And so we got to go, and, and we can't just expect them to, yeah. to be the one making the sacrifice. So. so now that you made a decision to move forward with a church plant, uh, what Dave alluded to it, or, you know, just a few minutes ago. What, what are the insecurities that you still struggle with? What, what 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 are the what are the doubts that you still wrestle with? Um. I mean, yeah, Dave, you, you yeah, mentioned yeah. a few I mean, from, I, your, I, from I, your past. My past comes up a lot. Um, you know, I could easily, you know, I come from drugs, alcohol. I come from prison, and so I don't have no Bible degree. I don't, you know. And so I get insecure, and I'm like, oh, like, am I really the one to be leading them? You know, I'm struggling to, to, to lead my home. I, I'm struggling to lead my kids. Like, how can I, how do I go over there and try to pastor this church? And am I really equipped? Am I really, you know, ready? You know, I'm still young, and so. And you're still in school, right? I'm still in school. I haven't, I, you know, I haven't get our, got ordained yet, and so I'm, a, I'm struggling keeping my business open. I'm struggling getting my schooling done. I'm struggling to, to pastor my wife. I'm struggling to pastor my kids. How am I? Come with us. <laughs> Come with us. Yeah, yeah. And so it has been, it's honestly, it's been really hard. Um, it's been a battle um, trying to, trying to you know, I know God has called me. I know that, like, he has a plan for my life. But it's it's hard to to get over those humps sometimes, you yeah. know, more yeah. than ever. You know, I know I'm forgiven. I know that, like, things are restored in our marriage. But it's hard not to look back and be like, man, like, I made a mess of it this time. How am I not going to make a mess of it? I mean, I made a mess of it last time. How am I not going to make a mess of it this time? And so, yeah. Um, yeah. What about you? Yeah, I think I can, uh, I'm a worrier, like Nicole said when she was like, worry, worry, worry. I'm like, that's my life. That's what I do. I should get a t-shirt that just says worry, worry, worry. Um, but I love to worry about things. I love to, like, stress about all the details. I'm, he's more optimistic about life. I'm much more, I call it realist, but <laughs> it's probably pessimistic. Um, but, yeah, so my insecurities can range, you know, all over the place from, you know, in one breath, I'll breathe more insecurity into him and like, are you ready? Are you ready? You know, which is not helpful. Um, <laughs> I can also feel like, you know, having kids, man, changes the game. And so when we were young and single, it was like, we'll do anything and we'll go anywhere and we'll move and we'll. And now being like, man, like, it's hard to say, like, oh, I'm going to subject because church planning isn't easy. Ministry isn't easy. Like, I'm going to subject my kids to this. Like. You know, and knowing, like, you get hurt in ministry, and you can hurt people in ministry. And, like, man, do I really want my kids to be this? It would be so much easier to sit in the back row and, you know, hand out bulletins at some mega church somewhere and, like, and keep my little safe whatever, you know. Um, but knowing that's not how I experience Jesus and knowing that's ultimately not how I want my kids to experience Jesus um, but yeah, it's an insecurity. And then my own like evilness in my heart, right? Like if we're honest, you know, we've been listening to this podcast lately about this, this pastor that like was really just incredibly gifted, but had like character flaws. 
And I'm like, God, it sounds like me, you know, and, and knowing like, man, like, I don't want my own pride, selfishness, um, need to be right, need to win. Like, I don't want those things to hurt other people. And so on one end, I can be like really, you know, strong leader, know where I want to go, know how to get there. Um, but I don't want to hurt anyone. And so I've been swinging far the other way and saying like, whatever, whatever. And that has got a lot of like frustrations in our family, in our team. Overcompensating. Yeah, and saying like, oh, I'll be so nice and let, you know, the Holy Spirit figure it out. And really, I want to be like, you're not like saved or read your Bible or, yeah. you know, whatever it is, like in, in, and in areas where I would speak truth. And I believe that God's given me opportunity to speak truth. I have swung the other way and said like, yeah. I'll just be quiet. So and you're, like, you're still trying to figure out your role. In yeah. This. And you've, if, can I, can I, you said nothing's off thing. limits. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, how do I phrase this? <laughs> um, one, one area of concern or, or, or struggle, uh, tension for you guys, the two of you guys, has been, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm, if I'm saying this in, in wrong, um, but they, uh, Jen has finished her schooling. Jen just finished the consecration process. And even though the, the men and women uh, have a different process uh, within our denomination, being consecrated is no less of an accomplishment than the ordination one. Jen has finished it. Dave is not. Um, uh, Jen has historically been celebrated as a gifted speaker um, and, and an initiator and executor. Uh, and Dave... Uh, you have other gifts, but when it comes to church planning and leading a church plant, um, there's a little bit of Jen's the gifted one, Dave's not, and ha, ha, in, that, in that regard, in church planning, um, in the stereotypical gifts that come with that, how is Dave going to lead this? Because you're like, I want him to lead this, um, so how do I put these gifts on the back burner and not, you know, overpower him? And Dave, you're dealing with some of that too. Like, people have always compared you to her, am I right? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. that's a point of contention a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm honest, as a you know, as a man, you know, I want to lead my wife. I want to, you know, I want to be the one. And and sometimes, you know, yeah, feeling like I'm behind, feeling like she's the she's the gifted speaker. She has all her schooling done. And I can feel like this this bum that she's just, she's just dragging along with her, you know. And um, I think, like, to be to be a, even a little more transparent, like I'm the one they want. Yeah. Like in in friendship, in yeah. work, in ministry, like that you have felt like yeah. I'm the one they want, and you, you're yeah, Jen's husband. Yeah, yeah. It's like if we could reword it, it was it's more like Pastor Jen and Dave. You know, and um, that's how it feels to you. That's how it can feel. And, and, and on one end, on one end, like, who cares? Like, amen. My wife is gifted. She is. And I, and I want to support her and I want to breathe fire into her. And I love it. And on another end, yeah, like there's just something there's just something that, you know, I can struggle with and be like, man, I wish like I have gifts. I have like, you know, there's things that I can do. Um, that I can sometimes, you know, get in my own head and that I wish people would recognize and, and see, like, the gifts that I can bring. Um, but it doesn't always get looked at. And so sometimes when we're in ministry, yeah, you need the administrator. You need the gifted speaker, one who can, you know, speak well or uh, communicate the vision. Like, she's great, and, and I'm not. I'm kind of like, like a... Like a, a football fumbled all over the place yeah <laughs> like uh, but I think too like it's hard it would be one thing right if I was like wanted to take on that that co-leading and say like yeah I'm gonna make decisions and I'm gonna whatever but we're in a season because of having really little kids where I'm trying to say I don't want to be in that role at least for this season and so trying to find this balance where like you know if we would both just do what we naturally do, we'd probably have a lot less fights. But just because it's like what we naturally do doesn't mean it's what the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to teach us in this season, you know? So you guys both feel like called, like to do this, Dave's leading it, 
you have more doubts than he does about moving forward. You're submitting to him. You're following his lead. You're, you're trusting God with what, how God's leading him. And at the same time, you're both recognizing and struggling with the fact that uh, there's areas of weakness that Dave has in that role that God is just going to have to make up for. And there's areas of strength that you have that you're like, I'm putting them on the back burner. Am I correct? And trusting God with that. Wow. So what do you stand on as your hope? What do you stand on for confidence that we're a little bit of a mess still, and yet God uses broken people? God uses people who are still working things out. Um, on his word. I mean, yeah, stand on his word. Like, and so in every day, it's like, you know, by faith. Like, I'm trusting and believing. Like, God, I don't know how you're going to how you going to do this? I don't know how I'm going to do this, but, you know, your word says that, man, if I, you know, huh? Yeah. The, um, I'll put it on the screen here. Put it on the, so one of my, one of our verses that we love a lot is that he who began a work in you is going to see it through to completion. And like, sometimes we can want to be like the completing factor in our own growth with God. We want to be the ones that like puts these things in motion um, or we select which one he, we want. Like, oh, God, I want to move forward in this area, but I don't want to move forward in this area. Hold on here. I'll work towards here. And, um, and, God, and God doesn't do that. And so he's constantly putting his finger in areas of which he's saying, you know, not as a defeating, but saying, hey, I, you know, I need you to lean on me more here in this area. I need you to trust me in this area. Surrender this to me. You know, your doubts, your fears, your hopes, your dreams, your visions, your whatever, give them to me and let me build, build on them. Um, so, you know, his word is, is the only thing um, that I can stand on because if, apart, from, apart from him, I could do nothing. And so I will make a mess of things, and I know that to be true. And so the thing that I stand on is God's word, God's call on our life. I know that for a fact. I know we're called to be pastors. I know he's got a plan for us. And so trusting and believing, maybe it's, you know, if, uh, right now if it feels like it's Long Beach Island. And, and, and if, it, if it's not, then it's not. But that, you know, his call is still there, you know, for God's gifts and his call is irrevocable. And so I know that his call on my life and in our lives as a married couple is irrevocable. And so, and whatever that looks like, we are trusting and believing that he's going to reveal to us, that he's going to open doors and that he's going to provide opportunities and that um, the work that he started in us, he's going to complete. And so, Yeah, I think, like, along that, you know, we aren't your typical church planters, too, that are like, we want church plants or die, like Long Beach Island or die, you know. The call on our lives is to pastor people and, and to love people and to see broken people get, like, fall more in love with Jesus because that's what happened for us. And so, like, right, like, this, this verse is not, like, and, you know, that he will carry it on to completion until you plant on LBI or until you get that job or until you get that spouse or until you get that whatever, like, until the day of Jesus Christ. Like, you know, it is not about, like, for us at least, it is not about, like, we're going to plant on LBI. It is we are going to pastor people. And, yeah, we think that God is saying, pastor my people on LBI in this season. And so, like, being able to stand on that. And we do mess it up. Like, we get to meet with Pastor Chris. He's blessed to meet with us <laughs> once every two weeks. And every week we get on for 10 minutes and we're like, mm, yeah, yeah, let's talk about the, the barbecue. And then I just start crying out of nowhere. And he gets to counsel us for the next 50 <laughs> minutes <laughs> through my meltdowns. And, but knowing, like, man, hey. God is working, right? And so you, like, you guys might say, like, I am not church planting. I don't even know what these people are talking about. They are crazy and I'm not going with them. But you have areas in your life that Jesus wants to, like, make you whole, right? And, and the idea that, like, whole means perfect isn't, isn't what we're after, right? Like, we're not, we're not perfect people. We are broken yesterday, today, tomorrow I'm going to be broken. Tomorrow I'm going to mess it up. And I think that's what's beautiful about the life of Peter. Like, Peter was not, once he was restored, like, this is the end, and, like, look at me. I'm this amazing man of God, and I'm this amazing pillar, and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. 
Paul comes in and rebukes him. And he says, Peter, like, even after all this, you still mess it up here? You're still messing it up. Like, we're going to mess it up. I think you would say you mess it up, right? Oh, yeah. Right. And so, like. I'm going to mess you guys up. Right. (laughs) And we're going to mess you guys up. (laughs) Welcome. But, yeah, and and saying, man, like, but the, the, the. Ridiculous grace of Jesus, yeah. right? And and he somehow he does it, and and in the brokenness, and in the messes, and in the hurt, and in the whatever, he he moves, and he and he's gonna make himself glorified, and he is gonna make himself famous, even with broken people. Amen. He's gonna make himself famous, even with broken people. And you guys alluded to that, or you. you explicitly said that that's the message we want to get across. Yesterday you said this, is that Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the hero. That, that's, it's not Jesus fixed me so that then I can move on to be the hero. It's, he's going he's gonna to continue to be the hero, and he, he, he makes his strength evident, his power evident, his, his grace evident in our weaknesses. And um, so with Dave at the helm, with some areas that maybe a stereotypical church planner uh, wouldn't have his weaknesses, God can say, ah, that's exactly the spot I want you in. That's exactly the spot I want you in. So that on your own, you sink, but with me, you flourish. So let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, Let's stand. Band, come on up here. Guys, thanks for the longer service. Thanks for tuning in for the longer service. Stick with us. We're going to praise Jesus in a moment. Um, we're going we're gonna to hail King Jesus. Um, I'm going to pray for these guys, but I'm also going to pray for some of us here who um, might have doubts that God still wants to use you despite your past, despite your present, despite uh, what you know you're going to uh, struggle with tomorrow. Um, if, 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 if you've, why don't we all stand if we, if we can. Um, if you've got those doubts and those insecurities... Let's put your hand up. Anybody? Struggle in some of the ways that these guys alluded to. Okay. Can God still use me? I'm not, I'm not as gifted as I maybe I should be. Or I've got my marriage is in a bad shape. How could God want to use me? There's shame. There's embarrassment. There's, there's uh, a constant nagging that, man, I can't quite kick this. How, how come I'm still struggling with this? How come after all this time? Put that scripture back on the screen. Can you put up Philippians 1 6 again, Pastor Jeff? Jen and Dave, stand up here. Where, where are you going? What do you think? Dismissed? Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's not done. He's not done, and he's going to finish the job. He's going to finish the job. So Jesus, we thank you for that promise. That's a promise. That's a promise. For those who are in you, belong to you, who have trusted in you, your promise is that you will complete the work. That you will perfect us more and more and more. That right now, when you look at us, you see perfection. You see justification. You see, you see that we are righteous because we are clinging to Christ. And yet, we, our, our attitudes, our actions, our behaviors don't always line up with what you've declared us to be. But you said, I'm going to form you and mold you and shape you day by day, moment by moment, until you get to that point. Until the day Christ returns. And so, Lord, we pray this for Dave and Jen. We pray this for our, our, our brother and sister here who are leading this church plant, who are stepping into it. But more than that, Lord, who are just serving people, called to shepherd people, love people, care for people. That you would continue to use everything. Work it all together to mold them and shape them more and more like you. God, I pray that Dave, with the insecurities he has, that he would stand confidently more and more on the fact that you have called and empowered him to lead. I pray that Jen would 
trust you with Dave's leading. I pray that you would help them find a, a groove and how to work together more and more with this, this church plant that is in the womb right now. I pray for the right people to surround them, the right team who share their heart for reaching people, broken people with the good news of who you are. And I pray for our people here who have admitted that, yes, I am dealing with stuff that makes me doubt whether or not God wants to use me, whether it's in ministry, whether it's just to serve their families or lead their families. Maybe they feel a call to something specific on one hand, but they are dealing with the doubt shame of the past on one hand. Lord, meet them today and remind them, each person who raised their hand here, person, each saying, nodding their head at home, saying, yeah, that's me. God, meet them today with the reminder that you will complete the work you started. It's not up to them to do it on their own. That's not their job. Their job is to simply follow the lead of your spirit at work in them. And God, I pray if there's anybody watching or here today who has never trusted in you, who has never bowed their knee to King Jesus, that they would do that today. That they would make today the day they say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm declaring him to be my king. My king. Not some guy who I believe in, sort of, out there, but he's my king. I'm giving my life to him today. The only requirement to come to Jesus is acknowledging that we are helpless to fix ourselves. We need a Savior who came and died and rose again on our behalf. And the only requirement to continue to be used by our Savior is the acknowledgement that we don't grow ourselves. We need that same sa Savior to sanctify us day by day. We need that same Savior to heal us day by day. Amen.